At Giant Eagle, switch to My Perks and get lower prices on hundreds of items. Look for blue My Perks price tags across the store. Switch today online, in our app, or at checkout to unlock lower everyday prices with My Perks. And welcome to another edition of the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, X-Zone at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV. And if you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for all the programming on the X-Zone TV channel on Simul TV, which is channel 21, www.simultv.com. X-Zone Nation, my first guest tonight is Sharon Farber. And uh, she graduated with honors from the University of Massachusetts in Amherst in 1983 with a Bachelor's of Arts in Sociology. She is a licensed massage therapist, healer, award-winning artist, medium, teacher, author, and the owner of Dragonfly Healing Arts, LLC, in Pine Meadow, Connecticut. Sharon, I'm sorry, uh, Sharon uh, gives mediumship readings and uh, demonstrations, facilitates a mediumship development circle, teaches mediumship classes, and leads mediumship development retreats. Her website is www.sharonfarber.net. And Sharon, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you, Rob. It's great to be here. It's great having you with us, and uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, and how did you go from um, a BA in sociology to, you know, being a medium? It's kind of a 30-year process, mm. but BA was interesting. I got to work with people, old people, sick people, and it wasn't much fun, so I moved from that to being a massage therapist where I could work one-on-one -on -one and help people feel better, get right. out of pain. Mm -hmm. And that was great, and it's been 31 years of doing that. The mediumship part is by far the most interesting, excited, exciting, and what I'm most passionate about. And that started about 12 years ago when someone invited me to a group reading with a medium, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. And then I invited that medium to my massage center and she gave weekly, not weekly, monthly readings, small groups, and I went to all of them and became fascinated. And then I thought, well, I wish I could do that, and decided to train, learn, and become a medium. Now you've which got is very different. <laughs> I would imagine so. I you've got a new book out entitled uh, "Choosing to Be a Medium." Now, why? What was it that you know brought you to the point where you wanted to write about it? Um, it wasn't my idea. I started writing the book about five years when I'd only been practicing mediumship for three years, and it seemed kind of like a crazy idea. Plus, I wasn't previously a writer. It was just something I was compelled to do. I'm not one of those people that goes around saying, I'm guided to do this, or right. they're telling me things. But this one particular case, okay, maybe one of three, mm -hmm. I was just compelled to write it down. But the real reason, other than that, is that no one encouraged me to become a medium because most of the people said, oh, I thought you had to be born that way, and I didn't think you could learn to be a medium. I thought it was exciting. I took classes, workshops, read books, did exercise, and became a medium by conscious choice. 
and proved all those people wrong who said, oh, I didn't think you could do it. And I wrote the book because I want other people who might want to do this to know that they can and to help them start the process instead of saying that this is for the unique few and it's not possible to do if you're not already seeing spirit people. So tell me, do you think that everyone is born with the ability to be a medium? Pretty much as much as anybody has the ability to sing a song. Mm. Some people are tone deaf and can't do it at all. Some people are going to be brilliant musicians inherently. Right. But I think that most people who desire to can do exercises, quiet their mind, and learn to be a medium. That is what I believe. Mind you, there's and no karaoke singing group for mediums yet, is there? <laughs> no. I figure if I can do it, mm -hmm. other people can do it. What was your most awe-inspiring moment when you decided to become a medium? My first link, the first time I ever got real evidence connected with to show that I was connecting with somebody's loved one. And what was that when like? I, can, you, can you take us back in time and, and tell us about it? Sure. I was starting to do this, and mm -hmm. I had a lot of people telling me that I couldn't. And one day I was talking to a mentor of mine who told me, if I thought you couldn't do it, I would tell you, and you should right. immerse yourself in mediumship, get a mentor. That was on an August afternoon. That night I was massaging a client, and I told her that about it, and she mm -hmm. said, oh, well, you can practice on me. And that night, while I was giving the massage, I opened up and asked to be connected. She had a friend that had passed a few months ago, so I was kind of thinking maybe I would connect with her. So after the massage, I told her some pieces of information which didn't um, fit for her friend, but they fit for her father. I told her I had a man, he smoked a lot of cigarettes, I saw packs, mm -hmm. I said that he passed cancer, and I saw a military uniform. And she told me that that wasn't her friend, but it was her father, and that she had his military uniform and was looking at it about a day or two before. So this was the first time I'd ever done it, and I was literally jumping up and down because I could. So that was the moment. So how, so how did you connect with her father? What I did, when I do massage, mm -hmm. so I've been doing massage and healing for 30 years, and in the healing part, and when you're not chatting away with a client during a kind of a mundane massage, I quiet my mind and go into a receptive place for healing. And what I did was use my intention to see if there was a loved one in spirit for her that mm -hmm. wanted to connect with her and just kind of use my intention to open a door to make that possible. And then I got images and information. I mean, it was just four or five little pieces of information. It's nothing to write a book about. But for me, for her to say, my, oh, right, I also got part of his name. So she claims the name, the death, the uniform. So for me, that was it. So how do I do it? That's how. Just use my intention, go into a quiet place, ask for help, and there it worked. So that was the first time, and that let me know that it was possible and gave me enough uh, evidence that mm -hmm. I wasn't wasting my time by taking more classes and going to schools and deciding that this was it. So when you're learning to be a medium, if you don't believe you have the natural ability, 
What kind of courses do you take? How do you how do you get taught to be a medium? Uh, you know, it's hmm. it's kind of like how does somebody teach you how to connect with the other side with people who are dead? <laughs> First thing is you need to. It would be helpful if you had the belief system that mm -hmm. it's possible. Right. That would be the first. The second thing is you have to learn how to quiet your mind some. If your mind is always going on and on about what's going on, worries, mm -hmm. anxiety, even good things, it doesn't leave the possibility of picking up subtle perceptions from the spirit world. So you take classes, workshops, events. You learn to quiet your mind. People push meditation as really important, but it's really, really hard, I think. So just because you can't meditate doesn't mean you can't be a medium. But learning to quiet your mind, feel yourself connected mm -hmm. to the earth, connect with some kind of divine energy, creator, God, spirit, is helpful. And then you use your intention from that quiet place and ask for help. I'd like to be connected to, I'd like strong, clear connections to significant, recognizable loved ones in spirit for the person you're reading for. And it's also really important that you have somebody to work with. If you just sit there and think about your own people in spirit, you'll have no idea whether you're really connecting to them or thinking about them. So you actively need other people to work with, ideally who's dead people you don't know, so that you can ask to connect with them and they can validate your connection and say, yes, that's this person. Yes, they did that. They said that. That's what they looked and all that. So would you say that being a medium to the point where you are now is a continuously, is continuous as a learning process? Oh yes, I'll be continuing forever. Mm -hmm. No one's ever done. Really? I yes, uh, I'll always want to be better and better and better, and there's no fin there's no finishing point. And people who get certified, I have a certificate of being a medium. I don't hold a lot of um, stake in that. It's really about how you connect with spirit, your ability to relay that information to the person who comes to you wanting a reading or the group of people. All right, so, Sharon, please stand by. You and I have to take sure. our first break. Exxon Nation, Sharon Farber is our special guest this hour, www.sharonfarber.net. And uh, Sharon and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Talk away. And welcome back, everyone. Before we get back to our guest this hour, who is uh, Sharon Farber, uh, a couple of notes here from uh, different people. There is a production company that is looking for people who have had paranormal experiences and who'd like to go on air on a, an international television show. 
that is uh, broadcast into all 50 states and 50 countries. Now, if you've had a paranormal experience that you would like to share with, um, with someone, with the TV audience, if you could just send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com, and I will forward the email to the appropriate people. And also, if you are the person who is responsible for a uh, ghost walk, ghost tours, and you would like to have your 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 tour or your walk uh, featured in a television show, all you need to do is, once again, send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com, and I will send it to the appropriate producers of the networks. All right, let's get back to our guest this hour. Sharon Farber is her name. Her website is SharonFarber.net. Let me ask you this question, Sharon. Do you believe in reincarnation? I do. Okay. So what would happen? Let's say I went to you to get a to have you contact someone that I lost on the other side. And unbeknownst to me, this person has already started the reincarnation process. How does that work? I don't think that's a problem. There, I believe there's a difference between what mm-hmm. we call souls and what we call spirits. And the soul would be, if you believe in reincarnation, right. the soul is the part mm-hmm. of somebody who has multiple lives, maybe hundreds or more lives on earth, and each soul goes into a new spirit. Each body that they have on earth would have their own spirit, personality, and characteristics. They go back to the spirit world and come back as another one. As a medium, Mm -hmm. I am connecting with the spirits of individual incarnated people. So if you want to see somebody, and if you're trying to connect with somebody and they've already incarnated, Mm -hmm. I believe I can still connect, if they're around and want to connect, with the person even if they have another life if they've started another one. Does that answer clearly yeah, it, enough? It does. It certainly does. Has there ever been a time when somebody's deliberately tried to trip you up? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. And what would you say your most interesting reading has been or the most interesting message that you've received from the other side? I had, I gave a reading at a birthday party a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. It was at someone's home. There were about 16 people there, and I connected with friends and relatives for the people there, and I connected with a man who was an uncle and great uncle because the mother and the two kids were there. And this man, I described him, everything about him, and she clearly knew who it was. And apparently his wife was still living, and I told them that, his heart was bursting with love for his wife. And then the woman looked at me funny and told me that that literally happened, that he died from a heart attack while making love with his wife, that she was there on the bed giving CPR, but that's how he passed. So I thought that was kind of cool that he came through saying his heart was bursting with love for his wife. What a way to go. Yeah. Put a smile on the face in the calendar for sure. Right. Now, is, in, uh, as a professional, do you have certain ages where you will not do a reading for someone? For example, uh, is there an 18-year-old minimum or a 13-year-old minimum? Or? It depends on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I do readings often, fairly often with a parent and a child. Maybe they've lost the spouse 
other parent. Mm-hmm. This, um, so I'll do that with a parent and kids as young as 12, 13, 14, if they're mature and open to it. In a group reading, I'm not going to take somebody under 18 or maybe 16 if they're mature because there might be adult content and it might make the other people there uncomfortable. So I've had to turn people away if they want to bring a younger person to a group situation. How long do your readings last? I'll do 45-minute private readings, Mm -hmm. and if I read for two people, it's an hour, and I'll do group demonstrations that don't go longer than an hour and a half at this point. Doing the readings, do, do they tire you out physically? No. No way. I've been doing massage for 31 years. Getting tired out physically is from massage. This is different. This is exciting and interesting. But I don't do, you know, eight in a day either. Right. Have you ever asked somebody on the other side what it's like to be dead, what it's like on the other side? And if so, what has been their response? That is not my forte. My focus has Mm -hmm. been connecting with the other person enough to find out about them their characteristics so that the person I'm reading for will know it's their person and see if they have any specific messages for them. I know that every single person I've connected with on the other side is fine. They're healthy, whether or not they were before. They're healing, and it's all good. But I can't give you any information about what it's like doing there other than they're with loved ones, and it's all good. Kind of lame compared to other people who will give you better descriptions. But doesn't don't you wonder what it's like to be dead, what it's like to be on the other side, how they feel being on the other side? Man, these are questions I would love to ask in a heartbeat. <laughs> you probably have. You've hmm. probably asked 100 people those in the past 29 years. But um, yes, but I'm confident that it's a place of healing mm-hmm. and peace and connection with other people and you... But what I'm telling you is from my teachers, from learning from others. I see. It's not from personal experience of them telling me what it's like there. Mm -hmm. They just, I find out about them and use that information to connect them with the person here. That's a good question. Sorry. How has your work as as a medium affected your own personal life, your own personal beliefs? It hasn't really. When I first went to a medium, I didn't have a specific interest or belief, but I wasn't close to it. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, I think I would still feel just as bad uh, losing people in spirit. I don't have a fear of death other than how it would affect my family. Mm -hmm. And it it fits in with the ideology I've had for my adult life anyway, so it's not profoundly different. Have you ever been wrong when giving information f- during a reading? I've gotten things. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. I described a young man, a young woman in a ponytail, and it turns out that she was a young man in a ponytail. I'm not good with faces, so right. they recognize the person anyway, so mm-hmm. I'll get bits of information wrong. I've had readings where I will describe people that the sitter doesn't understand, so it could be me being wrong. It could be that they're not thinking of the right person. And then sometimes they'll connect later and say, oh, I know who that is. But sure, it's not perfect. But um, it's been 
validated plenty of times right. that I'm accurate and overall people are very content with the connections that I bring them. You, you, you said a few moments ago that the person may not have been thinking about the right person. Does the person's ability to try and think of the person that they want to communicate with, uh, is this part of you no, connecting I, with I them? No, I think I worded that incorrectly. Okay. They don't need to think of a person to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And they can't choose who comes through, and I don't choose who comes through. What I meant was that they might not be able to recognize the person. They might okay. be thinking of the three main closest people to them in the spirit world mm -hmm. and not think of, oh, that person. They might be stressed. They might be trying too hard. They might be in grief. So there's a number of reasons why they might not recognize their loved one. But they don't have to think about them to make it happen, but they have to be able to recognize them. How long does it take you to connect with the other side and actually find the person who might have the information that you're seeking? Too long. No, really? I'd like it to be like instantaneously four mm -hmm. or five seconds, but it can take, you know, possibly up to a minute. I haven't really timed it. Well, that's really it's, not bad. <laughs> well, it's um, it's the scariest part of giving a reading, the just waiting for them to connect. As soon as I have a solid connection, and especially after they mm -hmm. recognize who the person is, I breathe, relax, and then there's a better flow. But um, it's just a matter of relaxing, being confident that it's going to happen, trusting spirit, trusting that it's that they always show up. But um, that first few seconds or maybe a half a minute or so is the most difficult part of the reading for me. Now, you and I will have to go to our news break at the bottom of the hour very shortly. Where can people get copies of your book, Choosing to Be a Medium? Well, it's going to be released on March 8th, mm -hmm. but right now it's already available for pre-order on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Llewellyn.com, and my website. And if you buy it on my website, I will send you a signed, I will send out signed copies at 20% off retail. Wow, can't go wrong with and that. You can't go on to that, but once they're out, which might not be until March 8th, mm -hmm. but you can order them now. All right. And I have a companion journal that is also available for $9.99 where people who really want to focus on becoming a medium can use that to chart their progress and help them out. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And Nation, if you'd like more information about our guest this hour, Sharon Farber, her website is www.sharonfarber.net. We'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest is uh, Sharon Farber. Her website is www.sharonfarber.net. 
Now, before we get back to Sharon, don't forget that if you would like to share a paranormal experience that you have had with a new television show that is going to be aired in the 50 states of the United States as well as 50 countries around the world, or if you are the organizer or if you work for a haunted ghost walk tour that you would like to be featured in a brand new television series that's presently in pre-production anywhere in the world, all you need to do is send me an email, exone at exoneradiotv.com, and I will get your email to the appropriate producer. Also, the current edition of the X Chronicles newspaper is now available online with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. Sharon Farber is our guest. She graduated with honors from the University of Massachusetts in Amherst in 1983 which, with a bachelor in Bachelor of Arts in Sociology. She is a licensed massage therapist, healer, award-winning artist, medium, teacher, author, and the owner of Dragonfly Healing Arts, LLC, in Pine Meadow, Connecticut. Welcome back, uh, Sharon. Great having you with us. Thank you. Tell me about being a healer. Being a healer? Mm-hmm. I do more massage than actual healing. The healing part is, some people have heard, people are most likely to have heard of Reiki, but yes. healing is letting people go into a calm, quiet place where they can do their own healing. I don't heal people. I help get them into a place where they can do their own healing. And it's interesting, not as much fun as mediumship, but it's nice and people need it and it's helpful. How, how do people heal themselves? People heal themselves by going into a, like I said, going into a, I guess they have to get out of their own way, Mm -hmm. and I believe in affirmations, but then you're going to say if people have cancer, then they can't just think their way out of it. I help people take care of themselves, nurture themselves, let go of tension and stress. I think it's the fact that stress interferes with healing and can exasperate any medical conditions. Right. So that helping people relax and let go of fear, stress can help them heal. And that's what the energy healing that I do helps do. So do you believe that we all have the ability to heal ourselves as long as the the problem or the disease has gone so far that it's unrepairable? No idea. Mm. I think some people are going to be sick and they're mm-hmm. going to die, physically die, and no. I mean, there are miracles and there are amazing ex- amazing experiences people have with healing, mm-hmm. but no, I'm not somebody who thinks that anything can be healed like that. Right. Um, I believe that people are sometimes physically sick mm-hmm. and that's what's going to happen. You can't rewrite uh, the uh, the karma that's out there for them, can you? Right, that might be what they what their soul needs mm-hmm. at this time, even though that sounds kind of lame. Well, not not really because, you know, I I think that everyone's journey has been written before they even come to this plane. And that the script is set and you can deviate from the script, but the beginning and the ending is always the same. I believe something like that. I believe there might mm-hmm. be potential endings. 
that there are there are possibilities and that some things aren't set in stone and that things can change. What is your opinion of meditation? Is meditation very important in what you do? Meditation is important because it quiets your mind, but it's very challenging, mm -hmm. and I find that mediumship is easier than meditation, which might sound really weird. I meditate, but I have a hard time making myself do it, and when I do it, I often fall asleep, and it's challenging. Whereas once I'm doing mediumship, mm -hmm. I have to just climb, calm my mind and stop the chatter for a few seconds or a little bit, and then the next thing you know, I'm connecting with the spirit person. I'm getting images and feelings and thoughts, so it's easier than meditation. What you have to not be doing is mm -hmm. running around like a crazy person with your mind worrying in order to be able to do it because you need to be quiet enough to pick up subtle perceptions from people on the other side. But no, I'm not big into meditation personally, even though I think it's important. Well, I'm going to ask you a question uh, that you may find off the wall, but are, are you a mom? I am. Okay. Now, I'm sure some of the work that you do as a medium is connecting with children on the other side who have been lost. Yes. How do you do that? Like my my heart goes out to you for that. It you know, especially since you're a mom and how do you deal with that? How do you cope with that? How do you separate yourself or you actually bridge the two sides? You have to have some boundaries mm -hmm. and have a nice balance where you are empathetic, connected with the person without totally getting devastated. Sobbing during a reading would not be appropriate. Right. Um, I do I do cheer up and have mm -hmm. a few tears come down if I'm connecting. It could be a child. It could be a spouse. Right. But um, it's a matter of boundaries. I also won't willingly see somebody who's lost a child recently, like in the past few months, because I don't think they're ready. The thing is, they might not tell me that. I don't want to know about people before I see them for a reading, mm -hmm. so I don't know whether they just lost somebody, but given the chance, if it's somebody I know, I'll say, and I have it on my website, if it's a significant loss, wait four or five or six months at least so that you can start processing this and grieving before running to a medium. But um, yes, it's um, the first time I connected with somebody like that and got through it, I felt really a sense of accomplishment that I did achieve the balance and not lose it and in going into, oh, my God, this person lost a child. During your mediumship readings, have you ever been able to catch a glimpse of the person on the other side? Oh, I see images. Oh, you do? I, I clear, um, my biggest senses are clairvoyance, mm -hmm. where I can see things, right. and claircognizance, where I just know things. So those are the big ones, and the first thing I usually do is see mm -hmm. an image of the person, so I might be able to describe, oh, this person's tall, thin, this is what their hair is like, this is what they're like, and then I tend to go into a knowing and be able to tell more about them. But I'll often see people, dogs, sometimes cats, and be able to tell people what I see. Has there ever been a sight that has just jarred you? Not that I can think of. Do you also smell uh, some of the scents from the other side, for example, flowers? I've heard that there, there's a strong scent of flowers when the connection is made with the other side. 
I have yet to yeah. smell a flower. I've smelled a soup or a stew mm-hmm. that was so strong and clear in one of my circles that I asked if anybody else heard it. So that's one of the senses that's just coming in for me. Ideally, I'll have all of them, but uh, that so far I've had one experience with the soup or the stew, which was amazing. And um, a lot of people smell other scents. It's a common thing, but I just uh, not had a lot of that myself up to this point. Now, what is the circle you just mentioned a few moments ago? I've been leading a mediumship development circle mm-hmm. for almost six years. Right. Circles are where mediums go to sit together and develop their abilities. Ideally, they're regularly, like weekly, same time, same place, where the same people go to work with spirit, build up the energy, and progress as a medium. And I couldn't find a good one back when I was hunting for one about seven years ago. So I started one in May 2012, and I'm missing it right now because I'm doing this interview. I got a friend of mine to run it for me tonight, and I might swing by when we're done. But it's where mediums work together and read for each other and develop our abilities. As a medium, what do you believe the hardest part about what you do is? Getting out of the way, mm-hmm. for me, getting out of the way, not trying too hard, surrendering for the actual process. It's not something where you can just attack and just try harder to make it happen. The harder you try, the more difficult it is. You need to let go, surrender, ask spirit for help, and then gently connect with someone on the other side. And subtlety and gentleness isn't aren't exactly my strong points. I'm more of a Mm go-getter. So for me, the hard part is relaxing, releasing, surrendering, and trusting that I will connect with someone on the other side and that that person will be significant and important for my sitter, for the person I'm reading for. So for me, that's the hardest part. All right. You and I have to take our final break. And explanation, our guest this hour is Sharon Farber. Her website is www.sharonfarber.net. Now, her book is not available yet, but if you go to her website, and you can actually pre-order, and once again, her website is www.sharonfarber.net. And we'll both be back on the other side of this short break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to uh, contact me, it's very simple, Exxon at exxonradiotv.com or on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
Thanks, Donation. Our guest this hour is Sharon Farber. Her website is SharonFarber.net. And Sharon, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure having you. And congratulations on your book that is entitled Choosing to Be a Medium, which is released in two months. But if people go to your website, they can actually pre-order, right? Yes, they can also pre-order it right at the Llewellyn my publisher's website, Excellent. as well as Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and pretty much anywhere they sell books online. Super. Congratulations once again. Thank you very much. Let me ask you this. How soon after a person passes are they able to communicate with those on this side? I believe that people can pass almost, people can come through almost mm-hmm. instantly from when they pass. And I've had people come through who've passed the day before, the night before, come through. And sometimes people who pass show up personally to the people that they've left who may or may not even be mediums, and they'll get a mm. visitation that they, can, that they can recognize. The thing is that it's the people who are left behind who have a time period before they may or may not be Uh, where it might not be a good thing to try to go to a medium yet. People who have intense grieving Mm -hmm. from serious losses aren't ready to go to a medium. They might be in too much grief. They might be trying too hard. They might be desperate to contact, and none of those things help a reading. So people who think, oh, well, maybe it's too soon, it's about them, the person who's left behind. It's not about the spirit person because they're usually, um, I know of many places, cases when mm-hmm. they can come through right away. So the harder the person grieves, or the longer the person grieves, the longer they should wait until they go to see somebody like yourself. Well, that's my usual mm-hmm. suggestion. However, I've heard of people who've lost people, including children, who've gone to a medium early, other mediums, and had profound experiences that have helped them. So I guess it's an individual situation. At times there are people who are in a right place mm-hmm. psychologically and emotionally to go to a medium sooner, and it might mm-hmm. be helpful. But overall, it's important to do your own grieving before trying to do that, I believe. So how would a person decide which medium to go to? You want to find somebody who's reputable that ideally somebody you know has Mm -hmm. been to and you know that they're good. I wouldn't go so much uh, by a certified medium. I would go by word of mouth reviews. These days you can find anybody by their reviews. And you want somebody who's compassionate, ethical, but uh, I'm not sure exactly how you find that out. You just have to Check out your possible mediums and use your own intuition and ideally references from other people. What about those who commit suicide? Is the process different for those people when it comes to getting to the other side and communicating with those on this side? Absolutely not. The myth that people who take their own lives Mm -hmm. don't go to a healing universe is a myth. They They don't go to hell. They don't get immediately bounce back Mm -hmm. to this world to continue doing what they need to do. And what they do is go to a healing, supportive spirit world like everybody else. I have had many contacts with people who've taken their own lives. There's probably more of them that come through than other people because it's the people who left behind that are in trauma and distress 
having lost somebody. So they're more in need of the connection Mm -hmm. from the people who've taken their lives. The people who've come through, sometimes they show remorse and they shouldn't have and they explain why they have. But otherwise, they're usually in a, they're always at peace and doing well on the other side. Once again, I'm not advocating suicide. Suicide is not the way to go. There are suicide hotlines. Mm -hmm. So by saying that people take their lives, they go to a supportive healing world does not mean it's a good thing to do or the right thing. It's never the right thing to do. Just wanted to clarify that. But um, one of my best friends took his life, and I've had him come through other mediums to me at least eight different times, say seven Mm. or eight different mediums, because I've worked with lots of mediums over the years. He comes through, he's peaceful, loving, supportive, and wonderful. So that's my personal experience with a close one who took his life, and I've brought through many people for others. What can people do to develop their, their, their abilities? when it comes to mediumship? It's good to get a good teacher. Mm -hmm. It's good to take classes, workshops, and work with other people. It's nearly impossible to do by yourself because you won't be able to know whether or not you're connecting with a specific loved one in spirit if you don't have another living person to say, yes, that's my mother, uncle, brother, friend. Mm -hmm. You need other people. You need guidance is helpful. My, My book will be really helpful. And classes are a wonderful thing. Classes where you go in person and work with other students doing mediumship, giving and getting readings, doing exercises, and actually doing it. That's the best way to work. So there are online options, too. How, do, how does someone know who's going to a medium that the message is actually being given to the medium from someone on the other side and that the medium isn't just making it up? Well, if they're making it up, they're not likely to give you evidence and describe your loved one in detail with four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different Mm -hmm. pieces of information that fit for your person. But if a person goes to a medium, Mm -hmm. they want to communicate. They go in with the presupposition that they're going to be able to communicate with their loved one, their departed. Isn't it possible that the information that is given by the medium, if they're not actually... picked up psychically by the person? Not only that, but the fact that they are so dire and desperate to hear anything to do with the person on the other side that they would make excuses as to why the information is is not exact. This is true, and there are fraudulent mediums. Mm-hmm. There are people who, I guess you call it cold, cold reading. Yeah. There are people who will take advantage of people who are desperate and do that. The people I work with, my peers, my teachers, my students, we strive for evidential mediumship that can be validated. And the information is specific. And the best information is something the sitter doesn't even know we say something and they have to go check with a relative and say, Mm -hmm. you were right. So it's information that can't be picked up from them. And there's enough of it. It's not like a horoscope. You know, there's a tall, dark man. His name is Dave or Tom. It's specific. And there's clinchers that validate that it's really happening. There are sure people can go and be desperate and convinced 
that it's really happening when it isn't. But in my experience and with the people I work with, we provide, our intention is to provide enough that even somebody listening to it who isn't desperate will say, wow, that's amazing. That's the ideal. We've got about uh, two minutes before we have to say so long for tonight, uh, Sharon. What are your final thoughts for the listening audience of the Exxon right around the world tonight? If you think that you have some abilities, if you want to be a medium, please don't be discouraged by all the people who say, oh, I thought you had to be born that way, Mm -hmm. or the people who open the door a little bit and say, oh, anybody can do it a little bit, but they'll never be really good. That was not helpful for me as a novice medium a number of years ago and know that if it's something that is passionate that you want to do that you're passionate about and you want to help people heal by connecting them with their loved ones there's a really good chance that that's something you can do and give yourself the chance in your experience do more women go to mediums or do they do eh? yes conclusively more women come to mediums and more women are mediums. Why, why do you think that is? I'm not sure. It's more, they're taught to be more sensitive, mm-hmm. more receptive, but it's definitely a lot of women come, a lot of women are mediums, and, and gay gentlemen. Your current book is uh, going to be released in two months. It's entitled Choosing to be a Medium. What's next for you, Sharon Farber? Oh, I've got a lot of work on just the mediumship and teaching Mm -hmm. and mediumship development retreats. It's all about that for now. That's keeping me very busy. So I'm not sure what comes next. Maybe it'll be choosing to be a trance medium, but that could be years from now. All right, let our listeners know how they can find you, how they can get a hold of your book. SharonFarber.net, S-H-A-R-O-N-F-A-R-B-E-R.net. And it's on my website. Mm -hmm. There's links there. And you can also go to the website to learn about my classes, retreats, circle, and anything else about mediumship that you're interested to know that I have to give you. Sharon, I want to thank you so much for joining us. A great pleasure talking to you. I wish you much success, continued success, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Exxon. Thank you very much. Good night now. Explanation. Once again, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, Sharon Farber, her website is www.sharonfarber.net. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget www.xzbn.net for all the programming right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And for the Exxon TV channel on SimulTV, www.simultv.com. And starting February the 1st, we're going to be on iLaunch, the iLaunch Television Network, and Comcast. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. At Giant Eagle, switch to MyPerks and get lower prices on hundreds of items. Look for blue MyPerks price tags across the store. Switch today online, in our app, or at checkout to unlock lower everyday prices with MyPerks. 